welcome to the GNT Show. Welcome everybody to episode six of the GNT show. Once again, I'm joined by the host with the most, my fellow co-host, Jimmy G. Welcome, G. How are you going this week? I'm doing okay. Oh, good man, good man. Every, everyone's struggling with COVID diets, I think. So, um, you know, and the numbers are starting to get a bit scary in New South Wales as well with the untraced outbreaks. Another massive week in the world of rugby league. It's just, it's the best human soap drama that's out there. It's the best. The NBA pushes it close, but yes, it's actually a real life soapy. It really is. We've been talking about the Broncos all week and trials and tribulations. There's news about Mary McGregor, Tavita Pangai Jr. There's a lot to cover. But as always, we're going to start off with a review of week 13 of the NRL. And we'll start with the game down in Wollongong, which was the Dragons versus the Roosters. My thoughts on this game were that the two best centres in the competition came up against each other. Joey Manu on, on the Roosters. And I think Zach Lomax has been playing out of his skin for the Dragons. Now, the Roosters won. It was 10 all at halftime. I think the Dragons gave them a decent run. But I, I really feel like between Joey Manu and Takeahoe... Taka, Taka, that is a hard name to pronounce. Siyosi Takeahoe, yep. Takeahoe was sensational. He really was the difference between the two teams. He ran for 288 metres and made 37 tackles. His work rate was enormous. Got over the try line. Just a really solid performance the roosters you know what they look every week they're looking more and more vulnerable but every week they're getting results and it's really the sign of the confidence and when Sonny bill comes back into that team if he injects a little bit more self-belief in that side they're going to be hard to beat again The, the only other couple of points i had around this game was really james tedesco was very quiet and so much of the dragons attack just runs through matt dufty now i mean how he wasn't picked earlier in the year i don't i don't understand it what did you think of this game well i thought the dragons would win thought Dufty would be a little bit more involved. I think they shut him down a, a fair bit. Tristan Saylor's kicking was really interesting. He put in some grubbers there with a couple of bounces either way. The Saints would have scored a few more tries. It was really, really close. It comes back down to, I think, the attitude. I think the Dragons didn't quite have the belief that they could win. They got really close. But if you look at that last try saving tackle by Ryan Hall, right at the end on Zach Lomax, I mean, there's 30 seconds left. The Roosters are winning the game. And somehow, they're still trying to save every single point they can. And I think that sums up their attitude. I think the difference for me is Luke Kiry. He is their danger man. He's He's got speed to burn. He really threatens the defense all the time. The Roosters play um, very well off that. And I think the fact that Tedesco was quiet as well, and they still, like you said, were able to win. And they'll be kind of scary, I think, when everyone starts to come back from injury. I think Ryan Hall, I don't know how he scored so many tries in Super League. I don't know if his knee injuries kind of slowed him down, but he kind of looks like a prop playing on the wing. Tupanui is probably faster than him, but I feel like they're just pacing themselves and taking their time to get their squad in top shape before the finals. For me, the, the real difference between the sides was the Roosters, no matter what the scoreline is, because their defence is so good and because they can rely on their structures so well, they kind of always feel like they're in the game and they're always going to win, no matter how bad it gets. And I think the difference in confidence between the teams really came through in the second half. One thing I did want to raise from this game was obviously the conjecture around Mary McGregor and the rumours are that he's got one more game and then he's going to lose his, his potentially the board are going to meet and review his position again. Mary McGregor was under the pump after the Doggies loss earlier this year. 
really under the pump. Remember he fronted NRL 360 and they, they really went in? Watching that, I felt very uncomfortable as a fan. I thought they were trying to generate a headline, trying to find fault with the coach. They asked the players the same thing. They asked Kieran Foran. But he, but he fronted up, which was great, right? No, they don't always, and you don't always see the hard-hitting questions put to the coaches. So, I mean, my, my biggest criticism of NRL media is there's no nuance to it. Everyone's got an agenda and they don't talk about, you know, the tactics and what actually happened during the game. But park that for a second. He was under enormous pressure after that loss to the Dogs. If you were going to move on your coach, they were never going to have a better opportunity to do so. Since then, the Dragons have gone three and six. They've beaten the Sharks, the Dragons and the Dogs. And they've been in every game and they're playing a lot better. A lot better. So I delved a bit deeper and I said, well, who were their losses against? Now, they lost twice to the Roosters. Yep. They lost to the Raiders. Yes. They lost to the Rabbitohs. And then they lost to the Sea Eagles and the Sharks. Now, Saints could have won this game against the Roosters. They were in that game the whole time. They should have beaten the Sharks. So, and Souths as well. Bar a bit of magic from Alex Johnson, I think they were the better side. So realistically, they... Could have won five or six of those games. Well, well, this is this is the bit I don't understand. They were in these games, so I don't understand. And, and really, against those games, they, they would have only started favourite in one or two of those games. So I, I wonder why now, all of a sudden, as the team's playing better, that they're now deciding to move. Now, I, I don't think since June 8 or June 7 or whenever that result was to now, that he, he hasn't lost the dressing room. I think the issues that were in the dressing room were there evident earlier in the season, and they're probably still evident now. Some of his selections are a bit odd. We've mentioned in the past that he he likes sticking to players that work for him. I think McGregor has a set way of playing, and that's why he's loyal to certain players. But then when he seems to be stuck and he throws in the Dufties or the Tristan Sailors, that sort of free-flowing football that helps the Dragons seems to be forced onto McGregor, when he, only when he has no other option. But he seems to play this very stodgy type of football. you know, And I think that's cost him a little bit. Oh, on the point around Tristan Saylor, I, I think Tristan Saylor is showing a lot of promise, but I think if you're going to play him in your team anywhere other than fullback, he needs to bulk up. But they are just going to run traffic at him the whole game. I think there's a few issues at the Dragons, and, and I don't think it's just coaching and player related. I think there's a few issues from, from the administrators as well, given the timing around the Mary McGregor rumours. So let's move on to the next game. So it was a few wet games uh, this week. I've been doing some research this week. You'd be proud of me. I stand by my original observation that you're better when you don't do research. And what I will say is most of the research has been done for my possible Men of League calendar at the end of the season. Oh, <laughs> so, fantastic. Yeah. This is... <laughs> so moving along to the second game, which is the Manly vs Warriors. Uh, it was the first of the many wet weather games on the weekend, particularly in Sydney. The Warriors were absolutely gritty and fantastic, and the conditions helped them in the first half, but it was so good to see the Warriors. They've been playing with a lot of grit the last few weeks, and it's good that they're showing up. They've been tougher mentally than they than they, than they have been. Tohu Harris, Jazz Tavega, they, they, I thought they were immense for the Warriors, particularly in the first half. George Jennings gave them a bit of a spark in attack. Yeah, it was pretty, he was pretty good. He was, but he, he missed five tackles, so he was he was a bit of an arm grabber. But you wouldn't have noticed that, G, given it was in the defensive side of the field. But but you would have seen his attacking runs. You would have seen his attacking his runs. His try was great. He was quite elusive in, the, in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> the other seven he gave up, though, G, G wasn't watching. So I thought they were great. Interesting with the Warriors post this game. They announced Nathan Brown and Phil Gould to come into the club. Phil Gould, despite all his criticism in News Limited Media, and I, I don't agree with all Phil Gould's opinions, you know, in the same way I don't agree with all the News Limited opinions of Paul Kent or Buzz or anyone else, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Phil Gould had a big hand to play in that junior development system at Penrith that's now coming to fruition. So 
I think that's a good appointment. I think Nathan Brown, the Newcastle experience, he took over a really, really bad situation. And again, he developed a number of players that are now playing really well for Adam O'Brien. So I just wonder, geez, if you're Todd Payton, to give up an NRL position, you'd want to be sure that that North Queensland job is going to come through. You have a feeling that he's already been promised that job. There's 16 jobs in the whole comp, and there's probably, let's call it, four or five vacancies a year. And it's hard to get one, and a lot of it, in my opinion, is a lot to do with connections and a little bit of media hype, not necessarily how good you are as a coach. Given that, whether you agree or disagree with that, there's not a lot of those positions around. You'd have to be pretty confident that you're going to land on your feet there. If he doesn't get the job, and I think he's already said he doesn't want to be an assistant coach at the Warriors, but if that's the fallback position to be be an assistant coach at the Warriors, it's going to be really hard for him next year with Nathan Brown coming in. You move back to the assistant's job after you've actually turned the Warriors around a little bit. They're playing really well. So that's going to be a really difficult position for Nathan Brown to walk into if that's the case. And it's, it's probably not doing either man justice in, in that scenario. A little bit about Manly from me. What is it with Desi and these fullbacks? Like, unless he's got a gun fullback playing, the team's attack kind of falls away. If you look at the fullbacks he's had where his teams have been absolutely dominant, it's been Brett Stewart, fantastic player. Snake was a great player. It was like he was shot out of a, a gun when he hit the ball at incredible speed. A or cannon. a cannon. Yeah, he probably wouldn't fit in the gun. So, And at Canterbury, he had Ben Barber. And when Ben Barber left, you can probably speak to any rational Bulldog fan if you can find one. So good luck. And whenever he didn't have that speedy fullback at the back, the attack looked quite pedestrian. And that hasn't really changed, I don't think. Like without Tommy Turbo at the back, Ben Barber, Brett Stewart, they just add that. They add an axe factor to his tactics. Yeah, I think they're very structured. But I do remember watching, this is how old I am, the 2012 semi, just after Dez had switched over to Canterbury. It was only eight years ago. There was a Manly fan watching it with with us. And he said, oh yeah, I can see what they're going to do right here. Oh, I've seen this every week. This is exactly how Manly played. No, no difference. I've seen this for the last few years. So it was a comment that stuck with me. And then you watch his tactics a little bit closer, and you start to see the same patterns over and over. In fact, Jake Trebojevic just might become the new Aiden Tolman on the fourth tackle down the middle of the field. That was one of Desi's gun, <laughs> gun plays. Um, we're still waiting for it to work. On the Warriors, oh, what can I say about their halves? Yeah, Cody Nikarima, I didn't want to mention him. <laughs> I had him in my notes. I didn't want to mention him. So I didn't want to give you any more ammunition about Cody Nikarima Island. But I'm, I'm the sole inhabitant. And I like the addition of Tavita Harris. I think it makes him a bit more dangerous. The way the defences are organised, you need two halves that can attack the line. I think it's very important. It makes a big difference. Just like Lock and Lamb for the Roosters. Warriors, great win. We still need to burn down Lotto Land so we can get a new stadium. They're going to build four or five or refurbish four or five stadiums in New South Wales. So at a, at a cost of similar cost similar to what it was going to cost to refurbish uh, ANZ. So look, what do you think on that? Um, it's a great idea. I think we tried to go the Melbourne route where everyone goes to, you know, the MCG or is it still Stadium Australia, ANZ Stadium, whatever you want to call it. I think um, it's best to keep most of the games at the local level. I think you're only getting 20,000 crowds. It adds an atmosphere. Going to Bankwest at Parramatta when it's somewhat half full, the atmosphere is fantastic. You know, that's what brings you to the games. It's the atmosphere. Sitting at ANZ, being a Dogs fan, you'd go to a game, there'd be 18,000 people there and it was so cavernous that it was silent. So, you know, um, it's better off at some of the local grounds. I do think that the ones that will probably get the upgrades, I'd imagine, would be Blotto Land will be one. Blotto Land's one. Sure. Cog- Cogra's one. Panthers, Cogra. Panthers. And there's, they're putting yes. one for uh, Liverpool slash Campbelltown. 
There's a Liverpool Stadium. Oh, okay. So for the um, new A League team, regionally, I think that's what they're talking about. My views on the on the new stadiums are this: I prefer watching games at the smaller stadiums, but I think this shows a distinct lack of ambition. You want to be able to do what the AFL does, and that's sell out sixty or seventy thousand every week. I disagree with that, right? Because I just don't think Sydney has the same culture. I agree with the ambition comment. I just don't think it works in Sydney. Melbourne is so easy to get around. Let's be honest. Like you go to the MCG. I went to, we went to the AFL grand final one year and within 15 minutes, it looked like nothing had even happened there. If the game is successful in promoting itself, it will outgrow those stadiums really quickly. If the capacity is 20 grand, it's fit for purpose for now. But if the game's got ambitions to be bigger than what it is, the maximum capacity of some of these places are 20,000, You are going to run out of capacity quickly. So if you're playing home semis at Brookie and you're only getting 25,000, now the, the, watching that game, if you're one of the 25,000, it's going to be great. If it's a great semi, you could probably fit 50,000 at ANZ. We should be aiming to get 50,000 at those games. Well, there was one year where, you know, Saints and Manly played at the SFS, very central to both fan bases, and they couldn't even get 20,000 to the game. Yeah, well, so, you know, okay. I, I do prefer watching the, the footy in little in smaller stadiums. I, I really do. Atmosphere is great. Um, you're, you're closer to the action. I, I just feel like it doesn't show enough ambition for the sport. Fair enough. I think um, the NRL has probably struggled with that a little bit. In in the EPL, no one ever builds smaller stadiums. When they knock down stadiums and they 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 rebuild them or they relocate teams or whatever, they're always going to bigger stadiums. They're not going backwards. One other point I was going to make around Manly and the Warriors before we, and Desi before we move on was um, Desi for me, not that he's as good a coach as Pep Guardiola, but he plays a very structured style of football the same way Pep does. And when he was at Barcelona, he had Leo Messi. And I think the fullback plays a similar role for Desi's teams. So no matter, yes, where, the, yes. no matter, no matter where they are in the pitch, they're very structured, but they need a little bit of X factor. And in Desi's style of football, that X factor only ever comes from the fullback. And that's why he needs a great fullback to drive his teams. It absolutely is the fullback. And it is very structured. And like I said, you speak to any Dogs fans, our attack was woeful for quite a few years. But Des sort of has the team playing this grinding out sort of style of football that does enough to win. But you need that gun fullback. Sorry, go back to the Roosters and Saints. Are there two more appropriately sponsored clubs in the NRL? And Steggles and, Steg- and like St. George the Roosters Bank. sponsored by Steggles and St. George Bank sponsoring St. George. But that's what that's what makes those sponsorships endearing, right? That's the, the, the longevity. St. George, St. George started out as a community bank. Again, a lot of our younger listeners, younger listener won't won't remember St. George Bank. But you know, they sponsored them through the through the community and, and Steggles was just the, the best sponsorship. <laughs> How good the was Roosters, that? the Chooks. Does that mean the doggies' next sponsor is going to be a fertilizer group? I believe we're going to have some growth soon, so yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Okay, okay. Um, it's good that your attacks improved since Desi too. It's excellent. It's good that you got rid of him, Somehow so your attack. It's, could. It's... Oh God! <laughs> I played basketball the other day, and my body is hurting, and I think I'd add some speed to the dogs' attack. That's so right. worried. Right. Okay. <laughs> Moving along to the Souths versus Broncos. I am just, it is just a train wreck at the Broncos. I've been saying it for weeks. My sense is he's lost the dressing room. Everything that's come out since then, you know, with Tavita Pangai Jr. 
accidentally going to, to the Accident- young of- I, ha- I have a lot to say about that. Tavita Pangai Jr., especially considering he's out there shopping himself, spoken to the Roosters on Instagram apparently, he's deliberately done that and trying to force his way out of the club to go elsewhere. There's rumours that the, the Broncos want to let him go, but I don't think that's a discipline thing. I actually think they're realising this guy is probably not worth his contract. And it's a little bit more they're happy to let him go. Because watching that game, he's checked out. A lot of their players have. I will say this, though. If he ends up at the Roosters, I'm backing Roosters recruitment over the Broncos' talent identification. You stick to Vita Pangai Jr. You know, Trent Robinson coach team knows his role, specific role. This is the way we're going to use you. And you've got Sonny Bill there and others that can mentor him. And Boyd Cordner and these types of guys that keep his behaviour in line. He'll be, he'll be a weapon for the Roosters. The problem is they're rotten from Paul White down at the Broncos. Nothing's working. Like there's people who want to take a two-week holiday that are deliberately breaching COVID. All these rumours about Anthony Seabold. Um, he's called in his lawyers. I mean, if you've got access to social media, you'll see all those rumours that have been flying around. Darius Boyd has removed himself from the leadership group because it's too hard. Is that right about Darius Boyd? Yes. No, I made it up. Well, some of the NRL rumours... <laughs> Actually, I always made up. But I did go back and have a look at some of their ages. Xavier Coates, 19. Dearden, 19. Farnworth, 20. Fafita, 20. Flegler, 20. Haas, 20. Niu, who was relied on for quite a few games, 18. Stags, 21. They're a very young team, but it seems like the young guys are running everything from the sounds of it. If Darius Boyd feels like he can't get through to anyone. But then you've got guys like Tavita Pangai. I think some of these guys get hyped up so young. Paid big contracts, which I'm all for. The players earn it, in my opinion. They generate the money for the game. They're entitled to get as much as they can. But, you know, how much of that is a little bit of their ego, where Tavita Pangai seems to be happy to run and sort of throw his weight around, but then when he gets a little bit tough, you could see he checked out a bit the other night. And that's, I think, shows in their defence. Payne Haas, great talent. Talent. We're obsessed with his physical attributes. They're using him as a battering ram. Yeah. What's that kid learning in that system? Like he's not learning how to pass the ball. He's not learning what to do with his elbows. He is just a battering ram for metres for that team. Now, if you're rebuilding, you actually need to teach these guys skills so that you can win a premiership in three or four years, not so you can win next week's game. And they're very different things. So there's something... Not right, not right there. Paul White's leaving, so he's not going to obviously sack Seabold while he's leaving because then it looks like he's leaving the club in a bad position. Ben Icahn said he's thrown his hat in the ring. That club needs a root and branch review, and I'm not sure Anthony Seabold's the right man for the job. It smacks very much of 2010 to me with Ivan Henjak. The first year, a couple of young guys played a few, few games, they made the eight. The next year, they missed the eight. But he relied heavily on all the young guys coming through. And he got punted. Even though, you look at his, the players he brought through, he had to blood. was Corey Norman, Winterstein, Yowie, Hunt, Alex Glenn, McCulloch, Gillette, Hoffman. All these young guys that had good games and bad games, right? Yeah, but I, I think most of the teams never, never turned their toes up at, and lost by 30 and 40 every week. I, I did disagree with you for a few weeks. The Mark Nichols try really worried me. He was a tap 10 metres out. There's four defenders there, and somehow he just goes straight through them all. And That's right. It was soft. It was... And he's not like he's a 150-kilo monster that is athletically superior. Just the desire wasn't quite there. 
And at that level, if you're even off a little bit, it shows up. They're conceding on average just over 30 points a game. You concede a 28 against the Bunnies and you go, actually, we're improving. That's, that's how bad their defence is. I mean, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. And those players that you named, yes, they're young, but, mate, they shouldn't be conceding 31 points. Like, it's five tries. I think this week I probably shifted more. I feel it was a little bit more about attitude than it was about... It is attitude. About it's, there's something the, wrong with the culture. They were just off. So are we saying you're agreeing with me? Can we get that Slightly. on the pod? You know, when the, when the weather's wet and, and the conditions aren't great, is there a better weapon in the game than Adam Reynolds' kicking game in those conditions? His kicking game's superb. Superb. Just, just, just if, if it. it's raining, if the conditions are wet and you need to keep tuck the ball under your arm in the forwards and kick for the corners and put pressure on through your kicking game, uh, you know, I, those conditions, because he doesn't run, actually suited him. Can I say one other thing on the kicking game, though? During the game, Tevita Pangai was penalised for tackling him late. He literally simultaneously tackled him after he kicked. I mean, we shouldn't be giving penalties for that. Why not just let the kickers do whatever then? Like, you can't tackle them. The protections become a little bit too much. I think it's a bit like goalkeepers in football. They're trying to clean the game up for, for, for parents watching at home with their, their kids and things like that. If you recall where this started was, they didn't want people to dive at their feet when they're kicking the ball. That's a great thing because you take out people's legs. They're prone to getting injuries. And, and people like were that, rifling whereas... themselves at the kicker yes, delib- low were... deliberately, yeah? There, there are things that need to be tidied up in the game. No surprise, the Rabbitohs won, really. So Broncos, no, big problems, issues with players wanting out. I think they'd, like I said, be happy to let some of those players go. And David Fafita, what was he eating during COVID? Well, the same thing you've been eating. Yeah, but my muscles don't look that big. Testosterone as you get older is um, oh, an issue. I'm pretty but, sure um, he's not hurting 17 days after playing a basketball game. <laughs> he's not. But um, he has packed on enormous size. And um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes to Titans. Good signing, but, you know, you can get a little bit too big. Well, let's watch that anyway, space. My favourite yep. part of the week, G, is talking to you about the Bulldogs' performance. So our next game is <laughs> the Storm versus the Bulldogs. Look, That right-hand no. defence was absolutely disgraceful. And you couldn't get Tim Laffey out of your head. All the problems were at the other side of the field. It's not that. <laughs> Look, okay. Josh, Josh Jackson... Lachlan Lewis lost his... Not only did he not make any tackles, his kicking was woeful. He had the two head-high shots. I mean, the wheels fell off this week for the dogs. Lewis, um, very much a competitor, so that was a lot of frustration. He's a niggly player. You know, with a number of NRL personnel breaching the COVID restrictions, it was great to see the Bulldogs abiding by the social distancing rule. Unfortunately, it happened to be on the field in defence from the Melbourne attackers. That was one of the jokes G was working on all week, guys. I think it was okay. It was very topical. Defensively, they were terrible. Melbourne had a lot of their gun players out and they just seemed to be able to put other players in and it makes no difference. Disappointing. They started off really well. They're throwing the ball around again. The attack does look a lot better under Steve Georgialis. We say that every week. Um, but defensively disappointing. And, and Tim, look, on Tim Laffey, I mentioned Tim Laffey earlier. It's disappointing. I was a big fan of him when he was younger. He was incredibly solid defensively, but I don't know what's happened to him, but he was awful in defense, in attack. He didn't add anything at all, which was disappointing, really. And the team was just off. Remus Smith, it's fair to say, is not a centre. Great try, though. He got up there. 
Um, maybe we should switch him over to the AFL. Did you Did you watch any of the defence? I did. You can You conceded forty one points. Did you watch anything on that side of the field? Yes, I did. Melbourne just plugs players into their system and they just keep on winning. I mean, Nico Hines. Nico Hines. Nico Hines looked like they picked him up. They did play at the Sunshine Coast. It looks like they picked him up on the way to the game from the Noosa Surf School. Okay, need a fullback. Nico Hines, man. Where did these players come from? Vunivalu and and Ado Carr were great. Highlight for me was the big FU field goal just before half-time. Just just in case the Dogs scored three tries in the second half. They haven't scored three tries all year. A couple of funny moments watching the game. I was watching on Fox and Yvonne Sampson was like, you know, dogs were taking their time to find their feet. I'm like, that's a very positive comment at halftime. <laughs> it's taken and, 13 yeah, rounds. What struck me was how angry Greg Alexander was getting watching the dogs attack. He was furious, but still kept it calm. Commentated on the game, but he was getting really riled up. Good old Brandy. Brandy might be my favourite commentator. I, I love Brandy. You could- I loved him as a player. Criminally underrated criminally underrated guys for those of you that don't remember 80s football in his second year he made them a semi-final contender for the first time in panthers history check out the youtube highlights he was very attack minded and it was funny actually listening to him sort of get frustrated but very disappointing i did see steve georgialis in the the box as well and he looked like you know the angry soccer dads you had in the 80s that would come along and watch their son play? And I guess the only other positive that, that I came away with was um, Nick Meany looks like a good talent at fullback and that he might be a, a good contender for a boy band. Are we watching Are we watching the same games of football? Hey, I'm trying to pick some positives here. Can you give me a break? All right, sorry, sorry. I think George Jarlis was auditioning for that North Queensland role. I think this, this game set him back because his team turned it up. Kenny Bromwich was great. Played 80 minutes, was great for the Melbourne Storm. Excellent but, player. But there was no serious issues on that right edge for the Dogs. So, yeah, seeing Nelson and Tino, the size of those guys is actually incredible. Like, I saw Josh Jackson trying to tackle Nelson. Are, are you talking about their build? What are you talking about when you yeah, say size? Yeah, his leg was... One of his legs was the size of Josh Jackson's. <laughs> Josh Jackson's trying to tackle this guy. And their agility is incredible. Like, Nelson's putting steps on and stepping two or three metres to the side at his size. Scary proposition. Look, as a fan, I love Josh Jackson's heart, but I'll say something controversial. I think he's a great captain. He's got good character, but form-wise, for the last 12 months, I think he probably should have been dropped. Fair enough. I think defensively, something's not right there. You've heard it here first. Um, He tries his heart out, but... He's missing something. He's not where he was three years ago. I mean, age does play a part, obviously, but whether it's he's he's lost some of his lateral agility and that was what made him a superior defender. And and I think all Saturday was frustration, Josh Jackson. Frustrated. Fair enough. All right, moving along to another blowout, um, Newcastle versus West. Poor West Tigers. You, you know, one thing I'll say about the media, three weeks ago they were saying how fantastic it is that Madge Maguire dropped Benji, Josh Reynolds, then dropped Luke Brooks. Now they're saying, oh, he's changed things too much. The same media that was praising him three weeks ago. What did they think was going to happen with dropping and changing the team? So the Tigers' defence was terrible. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They made too many errors. Kalen Ponga was brilliant, I thought, for Newcastle. Blake Green made a real big difference. Gave them that organisational, just another outlet with Mitch Pearce on the field. 
Luciano Leilua, I thought, was one of the shining lights for West, even though he missed a few tackles. My controversial comment from this week in reviewing the round is Benji Marshall. This is it for Benji. This year is it. I don't think he can go around again. Well, just on Benji, he's one of my all-time favourite players. Cody Nicarima or Benji Marshall, which would you... I'm not talking about 2020 Benji Marshall. I'm talking about youngster Benji Marshall, touch footy Benji Marshall. The gift and the curse of people like Benji is that, you know, they're slight, they're magicians on the field. And, you know, they're going to miss some tackles when you've got people that are 130 kilos running at you. But the problem is now he doesn't have that magic either. And he's, on the weekend, he was getting pushed off tackles and positionally in the wrong or wrong place. And if he's not doing that well, he doesn't have the magic to then supplement that on the other side. So you've got to try and justify his position in first grade. I don't know if it's quite there. I love him. I, I hope he's just having a bit of, going through a bit of a rut. And the Tigers are a funny team. They seem to be able to blow teams out. Their for and against isn't, isn't that bad. They seem to flog teams or get flogged. It wasn't good. I mean, no, no team in this comp should put in a performance like that. It was disjointed. It was look, it could be just a blemish, right? They couldn't play more unmatched Maguire footy if they tried. I do expect them to play a little bit better this week, obviously, but <laughs> it couldn't get much worse. One of the highlights of the game for me was the pass by Mitch Barnett. Whilst he was getting tackled, switch hands and then flicked it around the player as he was going down blindly to straight into the guy's hands. That was probably ten or fifteen meters away. It was an incredible feat of skill. And it led to a try as well. I think Blake Green made a big difference for Newcastle. They played with a lot of lot more depth. And I think the depth made them far more dangerous. Allowed Ponga to come flying onto the ball at speed. And when you've got someone like that running at you, who can step, pass, or long, short, step through gaps, makes the defence hesitate. I think that made a big difference. Well, they gave up field position because of the errors. They couldn't keep possession of the ball. It was just terrible from West Tigers. They got a good team tonight. And they're, they're in the eight like fairly comfortably. So they're having a good season. Well, they are. They certainly are. And if they'd stayed healthy, I reckon they'd be in the conversation for that top five or six clubs that can win the comp that we spoke about last week. Moving on to the last game on Saturday, which was the Panthers-Raiders. The Panthers were absolutely brilliant, particularly in that first half. Nathan Cleary is playing out of his skin. Everyone, according to you, has no skin left. Everyone's playing out of their skin. They were playing really well. That's better. They were, pl- they were playing really, really well. Kikau absolutely dominated John Bateman. They praise John Bateman like crazy. There's been crickets in terms of his, his effort on the weekend. That usually happens with some of the players that you know are favourites, I suppose, media. But they've got their players that they love and they push and the narrative. They kind of miss some of their poorer games. But Kikau, his first try, what about... Clockstad, a giant playing against kids. Speed bump. <laughs> just yeah. held him off on his arm and just threw him away and then just kept on running. He was like, oh my God. My question for you is, where do these teams sit now? What, what are their premiership chances in your opinion? The more I see Penrith, we've been talking about they've been building and building. I actually think that they are the favourite to win the competition. The more I watch them, and it's not just because they're winning, it's the way that they are playing. They found, and they are a very young side too, right? Well, they're younger than the Broncos. But they've got this perfect blend of skill, size, and athleticism. They're agile and they are fast. 
It's not they've just got big guys trying to run people over. The kick out is their big guy, but their big guy can step around guys and throw people off. Yo can pass fluidly. Tyrone May can throw cutout passes from center to the winger on the corner. They've got speed, height, athleticism. They just play an incredibly skillful and fast style of football. And I don't think many teams can keep up with them at full strength. And that's across the board from the, the forwards to their backs, and they've got depth too to withstand some injuries. Luai is a lot more important than people give him credit for. I know Nathan Cleary's been getting all the plaudits, but you've also got a 5'8 that plays slow. He sees the game in a different way. He sees space. He puts plays into space. He plays the ball into space. And he's very, very elusive on his feet as well, so he creates danger when he decides to run the ball. The Raiders are still a really good team. But watching that on the weekend, I don't know if they have the firepower to match Penrith in the final. Can I tell you why I agree with you on the Panthers? I don't think they're premiership favours, but why I do think they can win the comp? It's not because of their attack. Their defence is criminally underrated. They are physical, good in contact, but are probably there or thereabouts in terms of the best defence in the, in the in the comp. So they're not conceding. Now, part of that's because... They've got the ball a lot, so they're not giving the other team an opportunity with the ball. Part of it's that. It's no coincidence that the top four teams have the top four defense defensive records in the comp. For and against is a great predictor of how good teams really are. I think there's always the odd exception here or there, and they're generally always the top teams. So, And I will talk about defense. I think one, one thing that does surprise me about their defense, really, is that the fact they are young, but their defense is so good. But they're big and strong, and this is what the Broncos could do, right? This is the—it's attitudinally they—they're bought into a structure. They know what they're doing. They're fast. They're big. They're strong. And you know what word we don't use that Penrith have, and the Broncos don't, and it makes an enormous difference in football, in any ball sport, and and in life in general. Black jerseys, enthusiasm. The Panthers bring an enthusiasm to the way they play football. They're joyous to watch. The Broncos look absolutely bloody miserable. I think some of that's got to do with the coaching. Well, I think that's probably right. Well, the Panthers are good at TikTok videos too. So <laughs> move, moving along to this, the next game on our list is is what we said was going to be an absolute clash of the Titans, no pun intended, the mouth-watering clash between the Titans and the Cowboys. How good were the Titans? I'm glad it did rain in Sydney. I didn't get to mow my lawn on Sunday. They were great to watch. It was actually a really exciting game of football from the Titans. Cowboys, not so good this week. Justin Holbrook's doing a great job. I've got a few observations on this game. AJ Brimson was great at fullback. So what does that mean for Corey Thompson? That game was better than any game Corey Thompson's played for the Titans. He's far more explosive than Corey Thompson. What that has done is probably pushed him to the fringe. So if there's an injury on the wing, he can come in for, say, Philip Sammy. Corey Thompson, you think you think he's pushed him out? Of I think back? so. He's he's too dynamic. Corey Thompson's dynamic in a different way in that he trails the ball. So if there's a half opportunity, he's always around the ball. Brimson just brings an explosiveness that Corey Thompson doesn't have. Justin Holbrook was a lower grade coach at the Dogs. He was highly rated. Brought through a fair few players as well. This is what I mean by coaching and recognition and media push. I suppose is Trent Barrett's getting a lot of plaudits for Penrith's attack. There seems to be a lot of plaudits for Justin Holbrook. But he's the sneaky addition that people haven't picked up is Jimmy Dimmick is their assistant coach looking after their attack. And if you're looking for the next super coach in the NRL, you want to take a chance, take a chance on Jimmy Dimmick. Baby, I'm still free. Take a chance on me. 
That's not what I expected, not karaoke. He was the architect of the Bulldogs' 2012 attack as well, which was incredibly dangerous and took the league by storm. So they're looking good. And Anthony Don has one of the best strike rates. He scored like 85 tries in 140 games or something. Good under the high ball. He He knows how to find the try line. Good winger, good winger. I do want to say a couple of things about the Cowboys. I don't know what game Michael Morgan was playing, but it wasn't rugby league. <laughs> he just did not want to. He didn't want to get his jersey dirty. He just had an absolute shock. He's just become a parent for the first time, probably the happiest day of his life. You know, rugby league probably doesn't seem as important after that. So you can either relax and play well or... When someone who's 120 kilos is running at you, just think who gives a crap. Well, it's a lack of sleep. You're just going, oh, mate, I can't take this. I'm not tackling this guy. It's not worth it. The other person who um, I thought really disappointed, this bloke's actually gone backwards in the last couple of years, it's Cohen Hess. But again, I think it's... For a bloke his size to be missing some of the tackles he is, there's something missing there for the the Cowboys. And I know know Paul Green's resigned or mutual decision, but they're another team a bit like the Dragons. They should be better... Than the way they're playing. The Cowboys have been overrated since they won the grand final, partly because of the JT thing. The media takes a couple of years sometimes to, it's almost like they're on top of things immediately or it takes them a couple of years to adjust their predictions on some of these teams. I think the Cowboys were a team that has been overrated for a while. If you look at their personnel and their performance week to week, we're still expecting magic when really they're showing you that they're a 10th or 11th place team. So no surprise for me. They're 14th, G. They're 14th. I mean, they're a bit like the Dragons. When's the last time they made the Jason semis? Tamalolo, Cohen Hess, Mitchell Dunn, Jordan McLean, Reese Robson, Josh Maguire. That's their forward line. That's their forwards for this weekend. Now, they probably lack a bit of firepower without Valentine, Valentine Holmes in the outside backs, but that's not a third last pack. Isan Masters and Jake Clifford can't even make it into the game day. They're underperforming against their talent levels. That team shouldn't be running 14. Oh, I don't think they're a top eight side and haven't been for a number of years, so they're performance doesn't surprise me. I th- Cohen Hess isn't that good, never was. I think he was a physical specimen. He was gigantic, but he would get beaten in defense a lot of the time because of his lack of agility, and I think that that's a problem. Do you think on paper that's a better team than the Tigers? On paper. I think they've got more names on paper than the Tigers. Uh, so yes, but are those names really as good as we think they are is a different question. The Tigers are 10th. They've won, how many games have the Tigers won? They won five games. And the Cowboys have won three games all season. Okay, maybe not three games, but you know, I don't expect them to make the semis though. Their ceiling, their ceiling might be eighth, right? I, I don't know, but what I'm saying is they shouldn't be fourteenth either. The new stadium's a bonus. You don't want to burn that one you down. <laughs> it's going to take forty years. It, for them it's to a, it's a nice one. one. Oh, another thing I'd like to add about the Titans is there's been a lot of comments in the past about Ash Taylor and this expectation. You know what's interesting watching him this year? And Jamal Fogarty. Jamal Fogarty's a good player. Very good player. I like him. You can see that they're playing freely. They're allowed to play football and they're enjoying themselves and you don't feel like they're under pressure. They're just playing. If they can get an extra strike player in the backs with some of their recruitment and I think the development of Fogarty and Ash Taylor, next year they are going to be the team that rises up the table. The closest thing I've seen to the last game of the season was Grant Hackett. At the Olympics in Grant the Hackett, how meters. old are you? Does anybody remember him? I was going to go with Kieran Perkins, oh but I thought I'd go God. with a more modern, modern, <laughs> modern reference. So, no, Grant Hackett, Kieran Perkins was um was the last time I saw this sport that was played on the Sunday. Blake Ferguson may have thrown the worst pass right to left I have ever seen in, in the 120 years of rugby leagues, 112 years of rugby leagues we played. 
The Sharks outscored Para three tries to two. It is hard work watching Para at the moment. They are hard attack material. We haven't played well for weeks. The conditions make it really difficult to draw a line through this game. The one bright spot for us was Dylan Brown. It was very good. The one thing that struck me immediately watching him is for such a young kid, he's got a, a, a spatial awareness that's rare. He, he mixes his tempo. And I like the way the Eels have um, kept him lean as a body. His body in line with his frame. You know, he's he's still agile, he's still quick. And again, he can challenge the line as well. He's actually quite fast, but you don't see him play fast. Um, the Sharks should have won that game. They should have won the game. I agree with that. I think the Sharks Sean Johnson's goal kicking cost them the game, really. He was kicking out of a swimming pool. His off off day with the boot probably cost them the game. I think they were the better team. But again, Parramatta snuck a win. The game they should not have won is the Sharks. They had an advantage as well because Toby Rudolph, he's a poor man's Jason Momoa. Aquaman. The Sharks and Aquaman are potent combination. And the Eels still came away with the win. I don't know what to make of this game. It was fun to watch with all the, the water. Matt Moylan, his hamstring isn't right. Oh, yeah, I think that's right. I think he's now at a stage where the constant crippling injuries, I think it's one of those. Unfortunately, it looks like one that he's going to have to contend with the rest of his career and probably after he's playing that. That, that muscle's now been torn so many times that I don't think there's any strength left in it. And, and mentally, the confidence is gone in terms of relying on it. I hope you're wrong. He's another great player to watch. I hope I'm wrong too. So the Eels win another one. That they shouldn't have. Yeah, well, let's hope they keep going. Long live the mighty Eels. So we'll move on to our preview of the round 14 games. First game off the back, off the rack is is the Roosters versus the Storm. The Storm obviously have Cam Munster and Cam Smith out. I look at I look at who's come into the side. Riley Jacks at 5'8", Brandon Smith in hooker. The Storm have got depth. They're not average players, those ones. So they'll, they'll come in and do a job. But I think the Roosters will be too classy across the field. Interestingly, Lachlan Lamb's been retained. The Roosters look slowly getting back to full strength. Their team's a lot stronger, I think, with Orbison back in the back row because it makes their fringe defence really strong. And Josh Morris is a good centre. Good centre. So now they've got a little bit of strike on both sides of the field with Josh Morris and Manu. I think the Storm are going to get them this week. I think the Roosters... Yes, I do. Brandon Smith is a good player, and I think he'll do enough of a job to counteract the loss of Cameron Smith in such a big game. They're just a scary team. They've got a little bit of everything, and I think Vinavalu and Addo Khan, Pappenheisen at the back, I think is going to make the difference this week. I'm looking forward to Tedesco versus Pappenheisen. I think this will be a good test. This game is a really good test for whether Cam Smith should go around next year. If they can pull this game off with Brandon Smith at hooker and Cam Munster out, and Brandon Smith plays a leading hand, well... That, that might give the Storm a bit more confidence to roll the dice in going with Brandon Smith next year. Or Harry Grant, what scared me about the Storm and the Dogs is that the Storm didn't really play that well. And they racked up 41 points, right? Considering that, Eisenhuth is probably the one weak point that they have. But if he matches up on Manu or Morris, unless they get a little bit of depth and run at him, I think he can handle them like face-to-face if it's like a, a confrontation type of tackle. I think he's, he's well-equipped to do that defensively, but they're missing Munster and Cam Smith, and I still think they're going to win the game. Well, we'll see. Uh, I'm tipping the Roosters. But the next game is the Warriors versus Panthers at the Central Coast. The Warriors are really showing up and trying hard, and, and, and they're a tough outfit. Todd Payton's got, in them, got them sticking in games. Interestingly, I think Roger Tuovasa-Shek this season's probably been his worst season in three or four, or maybe worse is the wrong way to put it, but he's had less involvement less game-changing moments, but the Warriors are playing better. So so he's not overplaying his hand now, whereas before he used to have to carry the team in attack. Is there any way they win this game against the Panthers? 
No, I don't. I think they'll score a couple of tries. Their attack is quite good. It's just their forward pack, a couple of young guys like Jazz Tavanga, Katoa, Tuanoa Brown. I think their pack is not quite experienced enough to get over the top of Penrith, really. Um, just think Penrith will have a little bit too much firepower across the field, not just in the backs. I mean, their, their forward pack is really, really strong, Penrith. Really good, really good, and young. They've got a mixture, right? Like, Tamau is a big guy. Coruscant is really quick. He's made a huge difference for them. He could be the buy of the season. Huge difference at hooker. Huge difference. Um, Kikau is like a gigantic, explosive guy on the fringe. And Yo, you know, rangy sort of guy. That, But I think the Warriors will actually give him a run. I don't think they'll flog them. I think it'll be the Panthers comfortably. I agree. It probably won't be a flogging, but I don't think... I think the game will be put away with 20 to go. The the Eels versus Dragons uh, on the on the Friday night. Para have had some really close games over the last four weeks. Mary McGregor, as we spoke about a little earlier, is under pressure. If they lose, this could be his last game in charge. Ben Hunt back to hooker. Corey Norman. Corey's back. A bit like Matt Moylan, right? You don't know what you're going to get. He could he could make three errors or he could win you the game. He, it's he's a bit like that. I think their attack looks better going through Matt Dufty rather than Corey Norman. I'm a bit biased, so I won't give you my view on this game. I don't know what to think anymore. I think Parra's been there the last couple of weeks to be beaten. I think Sivo's carrying an injury, by the way. He hit a few weeks ago in a game, and, and he hasn't looked right since. He's not me. steamrolling seven players at the moment every time he scores a try. It's like maybe one or two. Yeah, and <laughs> and if Wonga Blake's listening, Wonga Blake, um, you run out of the line three times a game to try and, try and close the attack, and you miss three times a game, maybe, maybe just slide. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to have these players that do things like that. Otherwise, the game gets too monotonous. Can't have everyone be a robot. You know what's really good for me? Not just the structures and the Parramatta defence. The covering defence, the defence on their line, the effort defence is really good. Now, if you contrast that to the Broncos, you can have a good read, you can have a bad read, you can have the right structures in place. But there's tackles that Parramatta make on their line. Reed Marnie sticking his body on the line you know, when they're 12 points up. They could just give it up, right? And they're not doing that. And that shows that they're really trying and there's effort there. That's been the most impressive part of their defence for me. They hold their line very well this year. They don't let in points. They, you know, they allow breaks and things like that. But I think once it's almost like once it gets serious, they dig in. And this goes back to my perception that I think they're a little bit of a hot and cold team. It's that arrogance again. They know they're good. Do you know what I mean? And I think they've, they've got that ability to turn it on and off. Ryan Madison um, being back adds a little bit more strike to their attack. The same thing will happen to the Dragons that's been happening the last few weeks. It might be another one of these games that they could have or should have won. But I think the Eels are going to be just a little bit too good. Does Mary survive? I don't know. I think if they lose this week, I think he might survive. But I think if he has another loss or two, I think they'll get rid of him. So moving along to the next game, which is the Sharks versus Titan. What do you think of this one? Have you done any research? I have. I've given up on the Sharks. <laughs> what, what did your in-depth research reveal on this game, G? Other than having um, a few strong contenders for a men of league calendar, they're, they're all over the place. I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, they're a hard team to get a form line on. What do you think of Scott Sorensen, G? I think he looks great on the field. He's fantastic. Great-looking guy. Well, part of his features... have got the coloured eyes and, you know, the dark features. I mean, isn't that a hit with everybody? So that, that's that's your thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> Are you going to do any rugby league analysis on this game? <laughs> I think the Titans will actually win this game. I don't know what to make of the Sharks. They've let a couple of games go, but they've got holes. You know, you can score against them. And I think the Titans are starting to 
get more comfortable with the system that Holbrook and Dimmick have put in place. And I know it was the Cowboys, but they also troubled the Roosters a fair bit, and they should have won that game. I agree. This game will be close, but I think I think the Sharks are playing into some form. I think their form prior to last week was quite good, and you can't take a lot from that game. So I do think the Sharks will get up in Although this Although Jai Arrow's hair, I know it's bad, but is it getting worse every week? It's really bad. Look, I think he went to the hairdresser and actually made it worse. Yeah. Can you, can you, how can you make this it worse? It was kind of like a mullet. And then he went and shaved the front and left the mullet behind. I don't know. what is, is that? Is it still a mullet if half your head shaved? I, I don't know. You're asking the wrong guy. You're asking the wrong guy too. I'm bald. I've got no idea. I don't, I don't know what that's called. It's the Robbie Baggio with the shaved head. Yes. It's almost like bald guys that kind of have a bald spot and then they have a ponytail. It's almost as bad as that. Yeah, that's like you. I only have comb over. I don't know. What do you call it? The side afro <laughs> with nothing up the top or shaved. That's the only hairstyles I've got. Oh, fantastic. All right. All right. Moving along to the next game on Saturday. I think this has been played in North Queensland. It's North Queensland versus the Rabbitohs. So another tough week for the Cowboys at home, being able to go to the coffee shop, being able to do their groceries, see their friends, You know, having to go to a brand new stadium with amazing facilities to play their game. So they're, they're really doing it tough post-COVID. Of course, Wayne Bennett's in the high-risk category for COVID, so he won't be travelling up there. He's banned anyway. I love Wayne Bennett's answer when they banned him. They go, they go were, you, were, you, were you at that restaurant? And he goes, aren't I allowed to eat? It's a good response. Great response. Just fantastic. Very Wayne Bennett. I mean, Wayne Bennett, he got suspended, and then he says, I don't know the rules. He was on Project Apollo that set the rules. <laughs> It's just, it just amazing. Wayne, you see that signature at the bottom of this document? Yeah, that's yours. It's frustrating for, <laughs> for everybody around the country with unfortunate circumstances for some people that is tragic. So it's, you know, you can understand the frustrations as humans people feel being locked down in any way. So um, I get it. But yeah, if you're kind of the architect or one of the architects of the rules, I'm glad he remembered them. I, I knew nothing about this. Uh, project, I was on Project Apollo. Anyway, <laughs> Cowboys versus Rabbitohs. One change they've made that I think will make a bit of a difference is putting drink water at fullback and moving um, the hammer to the wing. Oh, well, they miss Valentine Holmes. They miss Val Holmes. And and you know what? I actually think Val Holmes has got the issue that Jared Hayne had and because you've got to bulk up to play NFL. Takes 12 to 18 months to get your NRL body back. That first season at the Gold Coast Titans, Jared Hayne was terrible. And as he lost, dropped the weight, he got better. Julian O'Neill... He's a veteran. He's had some fabulous seasons. Do you mean Justin O'Neill, Julian's long-lost cousin? Yeah, Justin O'Neill. Julian. Yeah, okay. Julian. It's what happens when you get old people. Names, you just mix and match names. But I think moving the hammer to the wing gives him a bit more pace in attack. So I think they were missing that with just, yeah, Justin O'Neill. Justin O'Neill. Yeah, not Julian. After that hard-hitting analysis, we'll move on to the next game. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. So who do you think is going to win? Julian O'Neill or the Rabbitohs? Well, Julian O'Neill did play for the Rabbitohs. So the Rabbitohs, they're too good, right? I think the Rabbitohs will win, particularly given how tough North Queensland are doing it up there with COVID. Last game on Super Saturday is the Raiders versus the Broncos. And after your Julian O'Neill comment, I I really like Mal Meninga in this Canberra team, (laughs) along with Laurie Daly and Ricky Stewart. They've got a good back line. And Alfie and Kev Walters in in the halves are also very, very good. If they can get it out to the Pearl in the centres... And Paul Hoff at fullback. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> He's like a hundred feet tall, Paul Hoff. So Raiders versus Broncos. <laughs> They've got a coach in quarantine. 
and and he's doing the right thing, right? Family always comes first, so he's got to deal with those issues. Correct. They got Darius Boyd has dropped out of the leadership group. Tavita Pangai Jr. who's agitating to leave by deliberately getting a two week suspension. Yeah, it's a barber. It's the decision making of a twenty one year old kid, right? I need to get out of this contract. I'm going to go to a bikey's hairdresser. <laughs> this reminds me of you know Ben Barber homesick for Mackay, and he moved to the Broncos. Close. It's it's really close. Tavita Pangai Jr. is doing it the other way around this time. Well, he could end up at the Gold Coast, I think. Who knows? He'd be a good pickup for the Gold Coast. I, I, from memory, was he a Gold Coast junior? I think he might have been. I, I really like the love bug. Yep, Herbie Farnworth. I can't see anything but a Raiders win here. Considering everything that's happened, like that would be mentally tough as, as a young guy to kind of deal with all this stuff that's going on around the club, right? So I, don't, I can't see them winning at all because it's just... There's just too much happening, too much turmoil around them. So, And then you wonder if Darius Boyd's dropped out of the leadership group, is it because he doesn't feel like he can have any impact on some of the youngsters? And I mean, what does that do for team chemistry as well? The, the problem with Darius is he doesn't speak to the media. So he might have said, this would be a legitimate reason. He could say, listen, I'm not going to be here next year. This is a good opportunity for you to bring someone else into the leadership group. And I can sit on the sidelines and I can help him out. He might have said that. Right, in which case that's a reasonable. But the way it gets reported in the media is he's dropped out of the leadership group, right? So you're filling the gaps. It's a little bit of fun sometimes to fill in the gaps. Yeah, Canberra will be too strong. I think they'll bounce back really well after last week. And I like the look of their bench. I like Starling coming in dummy half. I think Corey Harawira Naira will get better, and they've got a little bit of impact from the bench. The Raiders too. So yeah, they'll win. They'll win easily, I think. Okay, so moving along to the Sunday games. And the first of these is the Knights versus the Sea Eagles. I think this will be a close game, closer game than people think. But I think the Knights will get up in the end. I know they had a good they had a good result against Wests, and I know the Sea Eagles will come out firing after losing to the Warriors. But I really think they're missing something with Tommy Turbo there. But I think Blake Green gives them a threat on the other side of the ruck. So what it means is you're actually taking pressure off Kurt Mann. I know McCulloch's not there, but you're taking pressure off him because. What the defence does is they set up for whichever side of the field Mitch Pierce is on. So sometimes Caelan Ponga comes into first receiver on the other side, but that but the defence will gear that way. So if he's on the right side, the left-hand defence will number up, right, because that's where the ball's going to go. When you've got another option, when you're the hooker and you've got an option on both sides of the field, it forces the teams to number up evenly. What it does is it'll open the field up for when you do go to Mitchell Pierce. So I think that's a good addition for the Knights. So I do think the Knights will win. Having said that, I'm probably the kiss of death. That means that the Sea Eagles will win by like 30 points now. I like the return of Thompson and Curtis Sirenin. I think it gives their pack a little bit more oomph for Manly. Yeah, I think they're both great players. It's hard to say, you know, the Tigers weren't very good, but I liked what I saw from Newcastle. I liked they, the fact they played with a lot more depth. I think it allowed some of their players to really attack the defence at speed, specifically Ponga. Yeah, I think the Knights will be a little bit too good. I think they've got a little bit more attacking strike power than the the Eagles, but I do think it'll be a close game. But the Knights, they have some great names in their teams. Herman, Phoenix, Shibasaki, Stafford. They've got some great names in their teams. The next, the next game is um, obviously the highlight of the reserve grade season this year. New South Wales Cup final between West Tigers and the Bulldogs. So some of these t- some of these players in this game will actually go on to play first grade. I really think that's actually quite cruel. But after last week's performance from both teams, I mean the way these teams defended last week, this game could be sixty eight to sixty six. I'm all for that. Well, it's it's your perfect game of rugby. Yeah, at least I've got something to watch. Look, Tim Lafay, Kerrit Holland in the centres. 
It's good to see Marcelo Montoya back, but you can still see his knees troubling him. If I was Jeremy Marshall King, I'd put a shot on Benji. <laughs> I'd absolutely go out there to put a shot on him. I, I would absolutely go out. Just come off, off the line and just absolutely try and put a shot that, on You know what? That might be a highlight. I'd like to see that. But I was talking about Marcelo Montoya. Just you know, It's good to see him back. He had a catastrophic knee injury. He's really trying out there, but you can see he, he still needs a little bit of time to get his knee right. And there's no games, there's no reserve games happening, so he can't do that in reserve grade. But our centers, Tim Lafay and Kerrit Holland, just have no punch at all. So in attack, unless Nick Meany runs riot, I can't see us even scoring points really against the Tigers. So Sorry, did you say Nick Meany running riot? This is the problem for the Dogs, right? I think you've got a pretty good forward pack or a decent forward pack. Even if you manage to hold the West Tigers, where's the... Where's the points going to come from? We do have players that have nows and they've got a bit of skill, but they don't have the speed to trouble the defences these days. The defences these days slide too fast. They move too quick. So they said they want to play Nick Kotrick as a, as a centre when he comes across, isn't he? Presumably it's Tim Lafay and Nick Kotrick is who they're thinking about in the centres next year, given they bought Tim Lafay back. They didn't they didn't bring him back to play on the bench. So I think you might find Will Hopawati may play there. Play Wateni Zalesniak on the wing. Will Hopawati at fullback. Lafay and Nick Kotrick, the centres, although jury's out on Tim Lafay for me. You need a half and a hooker. You desperately need a half and a hooker. I like the look of Katoa's looking a bit sharper every week. He's got a little bit of, you know, trickery and he can bust the line. He's got a bit of a goose step, which is good to see. It kind of works sometimes. Yeah, solid forward pack. We just don't have points. And that's been the issue for a number of years. So I think the Tigers will be a little bit too strong for us. They, they do have points in them. I like Moses and Bayer going back to centre and getting a proper hooker in in place so i think the tigers will beat us this week all right well that brings us to the end of the preview for round 14 welcome back to part three of the gnt show this week we thought we'd do something interesting it was actually g's idea good idea g around which rugby league players would make the best security guards to enforce the lockdown rules within these clubs we've got honorable mentions and then we've got a top five so do you want me to start off or do you want to start off with your honourable mentions. I can start off. I've got three. I've got four. James Tarmel for the Panthers. James Tarmel, yep. You wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to cross him. Yep. If he came and knocked on your door and said stay inside, I'm <laughs> going out. I wouldn't let him knock on my door. I'd call the police. <laughs> Mike Acevo? He's too nice. Mike Acevo looks he too nice. He is too nice. Yeah, I think maybe off the field he is, but on the field he seems to be able to steamroll four or five players. Yeah, so. I've got a I've got a couple like that, yep. Jordan McLean. The Man Mountain. And I'll probably throw in one more, and I think um, Aquaman Toby, Toby Rudolph is another one for the Sharks. He looks like one scary individual. My honourable mentions were Jesse Bromwich, for obvious reasons. Josh Papali. Now, I want big, big bodies to enforce. With some of these footy players, you need some big bodies to enforce these rules. And Jason Taumalolo. They probably could have blocked Avita Pangai Jr. from getting out from the restrictions. Well, the man needed a haircut. Yes. He did. So shall we move on to our top five? Who have you got in fifth place? In fifth place, I've got Sasai Takiyaho from the Roosters. Right, wow. So he's a big unit. Big unit. But he'd be quiet. He'd be quiet on the door. He'd, he'd, yeah, but if you try to run you'd out... You'd have to hear him. You'd have to lean in. Yes, you would. But have you seen Takiyaho when he's in full flight? If you tried to run past him, he'd catch you. You know, the other good thing about Takiyaho is if, if you were in lockdown and you needed a goal kicker, he'd, ex- <laughs> he'd, he'd be great at that too. He could be one of the security guards as a kicker. Hey, stay inside, but watch this yeah. kick. But he'd definitely run you run you down, so you can't get away from Takiyaho. He's quick and big. So 
My number five one is James Graham. I know he doesn't play in the NRL anymore, but the reason I've got James Graham here is not because of his speed, because I think we could all agree watching him in the last few games was like watching someone in slow motion. But it's more for his leadership and his size. I just think he'd have the quiet word in the year and say, son, don't try it. I know you're going to come out. So he'd have a softly, softly approach, but he's still got the size to back it all up. He does. And also his comments, if you remember when he first got here, that the game's soft and it's okay to sort of allow people to hit the crap out of each other. A very tough individual, James Graham. Who did you have in four? four? I've got the upgraded model of James Graham. Oh, oh, Aiden Tolman. (laughs) <laughs> I love Aiden, and honestly, I do think he should have had numerous rep honours, but it is not Aiden Tolman. It is Luke Thompson. Luke Thompson. If you ever watch videos of his uh, his training schedule and you look at the size of the guy, it's not some... Yeah, he's a big unit. And I think it'll be, I think he's actually a good pickup. I think it'll be great for you guys. He was a great signing. I know I've um, given a bit of stick to some of our um, recruitment and retention at times, but he's been a great signing. Very impressive. Match the hype so far. Yep. And so in fourth place, for me, I had Adam Fanua Blake. He could give you a good verbal and punch your lights out. (laughs) He's just got... He's very much like the bouncers in Sydney in the 90s that we... Many of of which were my friends. Yep. He's he's another guy that's incredibly agile, big, strong unit. I'll go number three. My number three is Jesse Bromwich. Oh, I had him as my honourable man. Just an enforcer, lean, mean machine from the Melbourne Storm. And tall. He'd block your door. <laughs> he is tall. He is. I had, I had Jared Warrior Hargraves. Now, Jared could enforce it. And then once he's punched you out, he would lean over you and give you a gobful like the old heels in wrestling. <laughs> That's Jared Warrior Hargraves 2013 version. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. He would be, he'd be the villain. No, no qualms about it. What a tough player, though. God, he's been a, an amazing recruit from Manly. The Roosters poached him from. What a loss yeah. that was. My number two would be Russell Packer. Tigers front row, a scary individual. Don't want to mess with Russell. Yes. No, let's not say anything about Russell. <laughs> number two for me is Nelson Asofa Salomona. This bloke can throw them. And we've seen what he can do outside nightclubs. We have. Big Nelson is just gigantic. And what I will say is if he was... Mate, gigantic. And that punch, my God, that could have knocked out a bus, that thing. Lucky he missed. That bloke could still be orbiting the earth if he was hit with that one. Be like one of those old cartoons, you know, when they get hit and the person just keeps on spinning around. He was my number one, actually, because I think if Nelson... Was he drumroll? He was my number one, because if Nelson is standing at your door, I don't even think you could see daylight behind him. So you're not going anywhere. No, no. The eternal darkness. Number one for me is your Mr. September. Oh, Sonny. Sonny. Sonny Bill Williams. He's the only one on my list that has a world boxing title. And he's like six foot four. <laughs> so you're not running away from anything. So, so mate, he can throw. He's him. probably the best combination of all the enforcers. Tall, lean, mean, can throw punches. Yeah, and run you down. And run you down. <laughs> so, so he could run you down and he could jab you to death too, right? Like At least he'd look good doing it. Okay. Well, that brings to an end a, a woeful segment three. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. It's very topical. Everyone seems to be breaching things left, right and centre. You can join in each week for (laughs) wonderful segments like this. But I think that brings to the end the the sixth episode of the G&T show. All right, tune in next week where where we review 
all our wrong tips from this week and we, we preview round 15. Thank you for everyone who sent through feedback. It's been It's been really great. We have a bit of a laugh. We enjoy talking about the footy and we'll catch you all again next week. Take care. Just remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you follow and download your podcast from. And I will definitely see you next week, T.